episode three Taxi Squad Podcast. Alfred, how you been, man? I'm good, I'm good, boss. Um, living life, man. Just grinding every day, man. What about you? Oh, same, same. Uh, to our listeners, forgive us. We've been grinding hard with our personal lives and trying to make time for this. I know life's been crazy for you, and same for me. I've been all over the place. How's uh, how's everything going on your side? Good, good. I'm not really uh, traveling like you are. You, you're going all over the place, um, but grinding nonetheless, man. Happy to be back. Give you guys our opinions. Yep, we're ready to get back to it. Get back to the uh, get back to the grind here, and uh, excited to continue this uh, great stretch of content that we've continued to produce for you guys. Appreciate the following, growing, of course. Drop comments, follow, like. We appreciate it always. So let's get right to it. Um, last episode, we were going in big with this whole Julio Jones situation, and as we've all seen, this whole situation has grown to be something quite bigger. Thanks to Shannon Sharp. I know a lot of uh, our listeners have explained they want our opinion on this. So I'll throw this on you. Do you think what what Shannon did was just or do you think it kind of hurt his integrity a little bit as a a journalism standpoint? Um, He's not a journalist, so I don't think it can hurt something that he's not. Let's be real. Uh, If he didn't play in the NFL, he wasn't a a Hall of Fame tight end. Would he have gotten that job or would he have moved up that quickly? they hired him because of his connections, uh, his charisma. You know, he's a character. You know, he plays a character. Um, he's always been like that. I, I think, the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, weren't the Ravens uh, the first hard knocks team? They were. Yeah, yeah, they were. So, I mean, he's been like that since his playing days, um, you know, just being in the NFL. His connections, like I, like I stated, man, I don't think any – even a beat writer who's known Julio since he came into the league could call him you know, at 9 a.m. in the morning and ask them, you know, where, where are you playing, you know? So, or are you are you staying or are you going? So I just feel like it, it didn't hurt him because he never was a journalist. And I feel like you see a lot of these sports um, networks, man, radio stations, uh, things like that, get former athletes because of what Shannon could do and what they can do. They, that's basically their source. They're cool with the players. What's your take on it? I, I kind of thought, like, maybe some of it was the – the theater of it all. Maybe, you know, they wanted to create some sort of drama to make it seem as if, you know, Julio didn't know he was calling, but chances are, I mean, let's face it, he probably gave him an inside tip of what he was going to be doing that day. And I mean, more reports have come out to say that it's like, okay, yeah, he didn't know, but he doesn't mind. Anyways, I mean, he's out of there as it is. I mean, as we've discussed, whether he's going to wind up in Green Bay, Tennessee, your Jaguars potentially. Um, I think, it, like you said, he's more so the guy with the connections that can bring it to that point where he can make that phone call. It's the theater of it. It's live. Oh, skip, watch this. Well, look what I'm going to do sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I just feel as if it was the theater. That's that's my whole play on it. I mean, would you agree with that statement? Absolutely. And um, I'm going to be honest with you, man. A lot of these uh, debate shows are formatted the same way. Um, All of them. I don't be- I, eh, I don't believe I believe they do believe what they're saying. But, you know, in order to get ratings, man, and, and you got to put on some type of theater. You know what I'm saying? Some type of. I want Iguodala. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right, exactly. Exactly. So you gotta right. have a little bit, man, in order to keep the viewers coming back. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I wasn't really too um, pressed about it because, you know, I think he probably told Hulu, even if it was a text message before calling, hey, I'm going to call you, probably just ask you a couple questions um, just for that sake. But, uh, yeah, Julio, when, when you don't care, you really don't care. So even if he would have told him, Julio probably still said he's leaving. Oh, yeah. he. Don't, I don't think he gives a shit either way. He wants to be gone from there. I mean, the Falcons really can't afford him as it is. So I think it's going to be interesting. I know we touched on it last time and not to kind of like circle back on it, but there has been a lot of new reports that like chances are he's either going to end up in the NFC um, and, and that's kind of looking to be what it's what it is at this point. I, I'm reading a lot of reports now that it's going to be the 49ers. I've heard 49ers, Tennessee, and the Ravens. I've actually heard the Ravens. And I heard the Seahawks, too. But I know the Falcons is looking for a first-round pick, man. And they basically handicapped themselves when they got Jamal Adams from the Jets. So they don't have a first-round pick, man, until 2023. I don't think the Falcons really want to wait that long. So um, I heard Russell Wilson and that front office kind of reached out to Julio, asked him how he felt about it. Um, At this point, man, just get Julio to a contender, man. I love the Jaguars. You know, I love what we're building. I'm biased, of course, but um, yeah, man, give him, give him Julio. Honestly, man, I think that's the best thing you can give to a young quarterback, man. Trey Lance and that offense. If he goes to the 49ers, man, that's just a great. Imagine having Julio and, and Kittle as your safety net, man. Every time the defense breaks down, you can kind of just throw it to them, and if they can grab it, man. I, I think that'll be a good fit for him with the 49ers. The 49ers are built to win now, and if mm-hmm. Lance can pop. If Garoppolo, like I'm just dismissing Garoppolo, like he didn't take it to the Super Bowl, but <laughs> if they can, if they can pop, man, they they can be in it for a long time. Absolutely. Do you think? Do you really think the 49ers are in that position? I mean, I understand they were decimated by injuries last year, but do you believe that like Trey Lance, like midseason, could be the guy? I know we've touched on this in the past, but like just kind of rehash it. It's like to think about it. Do you think a guy like Julio wants to go play with a young quarterback like that? Don't you think he'd prefer to play with someone who's a little bit more established? That's kind of my whole thought process behind it. Like a guy like Russ or, I mean, even Tannehill. I mean, guys who have been in the league and have done it and have been in a system and know what it's about more so than a young kid who's just learning. Right. I mean, to me, if I'm Julio, I got to think of my thing. Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay is probably the best um, team. If it wasn't for the dysfunction, I would think that would be the best option for him. But he got to sit back and look at the landscape. Even yeah. if he goes to Tennessee, do you really think that you are you trusting Tannehill to get you through Pat Mahomes? And think about it: if you go to Tennessee and then Green Bay say, you know, screw it, I'm going to trade Rodgers to the Broncos. That's two AFC teams that Tennessee's not going to beat them. The way they're ran is all predicated on Derrick Henry, man. So if Derrick Henry's not running the ball efficiently, or God forbid, something happened to him where he gets hurt, Tannehill isn't a quarterback that can get you over the top. Um, like I said, man, I, if he trusts Kyle Shanahan and what he's doing, man, and, and Garoppolo can stay healthy at some point, I guess. I mean, that's what you know. The AFC contenders are, are pretty are pretty close. If I'm being honest, I mean, Josh Allen's coming. Um, I mean, even even uh, Jamar Jack. I mean, Jackson's looking like he could have a bounce back year. He kind of had a quiet year last year, but then again, they were also hurt by injuries. I think J.K. Dobbins is going to be a stud this year. By the way, yeah. uh, for all the for all the fantasy guys, like get up on him early this year. I think that's going to be a sneaky pick. But um, I do believe that a guy like Julio could take the, the Tennessee Titans to a different. Let's- 
plate. Let's, let's um let let's play let's play if you're Julio. Uh, give me the top three teams just off the top of your head. You you didn't have to do research. If you're Julio, what three teams will you prefer? Well, if Rodgers is in Green Bay, that's I number mean, one. That's like, that's such dysfunction. I mean, how do you? I mean, the skill players aren't even showing up. Oh, I know. Yeah, well, I mean, Aaron Jones is there, but I mean, Devontae and all the all the wide receivers decided to say, "Fuck it," like we're not going to. And that's why like, he's there. Saying a big fuck you to Jordan Love. I mean, who's supposed to be throwing to? I mean, anyway. well, they got to come back eventually. I mean, what the Packers organization really needs to pull their head out of their ass, if I'm being honest, because they they are in a weird, funky spot where they could lose two of their best players at the same time. Because Devontae has literally said, like, I'm not coming back unless Aaron is there. That's big, man. Very big. It's huge. I mean, it's it's everything. But, like, I would say if I'm Julio, I would want it. Like I said, I'm I'm all about the established quarterback thing. He said he wants to win now. Julio, if I'm him, I'm either choosing Green Bay, Seattle, or Tennessee. Those would be my top three. I would lean more so on the NFC side than I would anywhere else because – it's less of a path of resistance to go past Patty Mahomes. I mean, yeah, you got to play Tom, but I still think that that would be my top three. What about you? Um, We have very vastly different teams. I have uh, Ravens. So he wants to win Ravens. Um, one, I would say I'm just going to take Green Bay out of the equation until they figure out what the hell they got going on. <laughs> but uh, Ravens, 49ers, man, I, I would – the culture – they were man. They were so close to the Super Bowl, man. I I just think, uh, you know, health really fucked them over. And then uh, Seattle's third. So if I was him, Ravens, 49ers, Seattle. Interesting, interesting. We'll see how it all plays out. He's gonna go somewhere. He's gonna go somewhere soon. That 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 whole what is it? It's June fifth or June third. I mean, the the time has passed now. Where I mean, the cap isn't a isn't even an issue anymore. Exactly. So the money owed will go to the team that he's traded to, basically. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Let's get off some football talk. I feel like all we do is talk football. Why don't we talk some uh, NBA playoffs? Oh, yeah. oh, I, yeah. I, I love the NBA playoffs, by the way. I'm not like the biggest basketball guy, not quite like yourself, but like it is fun to watch this year, more so than ever. No question, man. Um I'm a diehard basketball fan, man. So I'm the type of guy fucking rooting, watching basketball, man, at the 46th game out of 82 games, you know. Uh, I'm that type of guy. But, you know, I get revved up, man. A lot of people, too, man, when it comes to playoff basketball. Um, I think the takeaway that I've had so far, man, is honestly uh, the new generation. Uh, just to give you a little backstory, man, even though I love basketball like that, I didn't really start watching until uh, 2003. Ironically, really? when um, Dwayne Wade, that's when I started, like how I watch basketball now, around mm-hmm. 2003 when I started watching it. So, of course, you know, I knew uh, Jordan and, you know, uh, Iverson got me into it a lot. I watched his MVP year back in 2001, Kobe and Shaq, all that good stuff. But when I started taking a, a vested interest in basketball was uh, 03. That's when uh, LeBron came in, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Carmelo Anthony, all those, that good stuff. So to see... You know, my favorite player, Dwayne Wade, retire. LeBron looking like he's definitely on his last lap. Uh, Melo is, uh, you know, a role player in Portland. Seeing these new guys uh, really take off, man. We were talking a little bit about Luka Doncic, uh, Devin Booker. Um, it's the new wave. It's new, the wave. new wave. It really Absolutely. is. Trey Young out there in Atlanta just, like, crushing hey. it. 
Oh, I mean, absolutely. he's that boy's ice cold, like behind the three point line. It's just disgusting what he does. And now even that too, I mean, the handles with Trey young, it's, it's ridiculous to, to give our, our listeners kind of understanding of my basketball background. I mean, growing up in Chicago, this whole situation of the bulls in the nineties was electric. So being a nineties kid and then watching the last dance, basically, um, of those late nineties bulls teams was amazing. So I've been watching basketball since the late nineties, huge Jordan fan forever. Uh, and then when the bulls started to get back into it in the mid two thousands there with D Rose on his MVP run and Tibbs and all those guys who were making it work, uh, it was really exciting to watch. I will always have a large pain in my stomach for LeBron James. I do not like him. I know he's your guy, but Hey, D Wade's a Chicago product, so I can't hate on D Wade too much. Um, and I, I do enjoy watching the playoffs more so than I do anything. And I really got into that Phoenix series. I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. And, and we're talking about new wave. I mean, Devin Booker just, he looks like the next Kobe. No, man. Kobe, uh, Kobe was his idol, man. Kobe, um, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, Trey Young, man, all three of them, um, during the off season, uh, God rest his soul, man. Trade with Kobe Bryant back in 2019. Um, That's awesome. So you, you see it paying dividends, man. Jason Tatum, I mean, he got bounced out in the first round against Brooklyn, but he dropped 50, man, game four to stave off um, elimination. So um, it's funny, man. All these players were naming, man. Luka, who's taking off against the Clippers, Devin Booker, oh. Trey Young. Uh, all these people were naming. Uh, they have one thing in common. What, what, what do you think that is? I don't know. What's that? They're What's under that? 25, man. That's all insane. of them. All of them. That's so, crazy. As Co- as LeBron's pushing 40, man, Melo's right up there with them, man. And as they kind of inch their way out of the league, man, this, this league is in good hands. And uh, these are the type of players, man, that can really captivate. And they're, and it's funny, too, man, because they all have different type of games. You know, Luka doesn't look like Booker. Booker doesn't look like Tatum, you know. And, and then you can even throw in Zion, man, Zion Williamson, which I didn't think his strength and athleticism uh, was going to translate to the NBA game. He averaged like 27 and like nine, Jeez. shooting like 65% from the field. Oof. Now, I'm not translating to wins just yet, but he's 20. So, I mean, imagine was, Zion lining up at like fucking D end or something. He uh, could too. He's a freak. He oh, my freaking, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> kid jumps out of the gym. He's a freak of nature. Oh my god! So no, no it, it it is interesting take. I I you know I know you're thinking LeBron's on his last lap, but I think LeBron's going to stay in the league for at least another four years. I think his whole thing is trying to play with Bronny Junior. eventually. Right. No, and, and the way his game is translating, I can kind of and then the, the game's not really physical anymore. So I can honestly see him staying in the league, man, averaging about you know maybe 15, 15 and eleven, you know, being more of a facilitator. Uh, as long as they're winning, and I think he he wants to play with Bronny Jr. and he also wants to get that all time scoring record from Kareem. So I think if I, my math is right, he is third all time in scoring. So he has to average like twenty points for like three more years in order to get to Kareem. So um, he'll do it. I mean, he'll definitely do it. You stay in the league long enough, you'll eventually do that and cry your way to you know the the hierarchy of the league. Uh, but you know it's. It's interesting to see now, like we're talking about with these new guys coming up. And one thing I think is really interesting and they all have in common is they all kind of want to do their own thing. 
this whole idea of these super teams, I believe, are starting to fade. I think the Brooklyn Nets will kind of be the last of that that you see for a long time. I think a lot of these guys like Booker and Luka and Trey Young, they kind of want to make their name for themselves. I think that's kind of going to be the attitude a lot moving forward, and I'm excited to see that. At least I hope that's what the new wave of this is going to be. I'm tired of watching super teams. I understand that everybody needs their 1-1-A guy. But then again, it's nice to see situations where it's a guy like Devin Booker and then a bunch of role players, really. And they're crushing it right now. Oh, yeah. And if anything, man, I think maybe, maybe they'll probably do a two-pair thing. I mean, okay. if Ayton kind of takes off with Phoenix, he was a first overall pick. So if he gets there, I can kind of see, man, Porzingis has been a bust in Dallas. But like Porzingis, yeah, like that. But um, maybe would- two I don't see three, though. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think there's going to the, – the whole big three idea with this whole uh, teaming up with guys, I think that's kind of going to be put in the past once guys like Durant and all these guys start to age because Brooklyn is really the last of what you're seeing. With that, I do believe that Brooklyn will probably win it this year. They're too stacked not to. But I'm more interested to watch the West more so than the East – this year, in my opinion, I just feel like the West is just a little bit more exciting. I think what Luca's doing, like this series, is going into uh, the, the seventh game now, and the Clippers are—I I don't understand how they aren't better than what they are. I mean, they are stacked, and it's like, do that? Do they just not jive? Like, what's your opinion on this? Like, how in the hell is this game going seven? I, to be honest with you, man, Luca's incredible. And, he is. And- you know, you can't deny his greatness, but he doesn't have anybody around him. I mean, Tim yeah. Hardaway Jr. isn't his dad. So, I mean, no. the, the fact that the Clippers are having is struggling with uh, Dallas, which they actually had trouble in the bubble last year. I mean, it's Kawhi Leonard, and we want to keep saying Paul George, man, it's his superstar. He's not. He's not, man. He was. When he was on Indiana, he was a superstar. I'll give him that much, but anymore. I've never seen a I never seen a guy put up numbers and then when the playoffs start, like vastly, vastly, like his aggressiveness, his approach to the game, I don't get it, man. Um I mean I to be honest with you, I mean if you want to take it there, he he did say he like in the bubble and you know, looking at social media and all stuff like that, you know, it, it took a it took a toll on him mentally. But I mean if you want to think about it, LeBron did the same thing early in his career, man, when he was with the Heat and things like that. He said social media got to him. So during the playoffs, he used to do the, that zero dark 30 where he wouldn't get on social media. Maybe that's what Paul George needs to do. I mean, Kawhi Leonard has no social media. And look, look what he's doing. I love so, Kawhi's attitude, in my opinion. He is just all about ball. All there's no bullshit. And if he's he, not this he electric character. Guy, yeah. If he play with a suit and tie on, man, he's all business. I mean, no emotion, gets it done. I mean, I, I love Kawhi, but um, they, I mean, they got to get it done, man. Because, like I said, we were just stating if they can somehow get past Dallas, man, it is Phoenix, Denver, Utah, and then Clippers or, or the Mavericks. So they'd be playing Utah, right? They would. The Clippers would play Utah in the conference semis, right? Yes, yes, and the West, okay. and they would be favored, you know. So even West, I mean, Utah is the one coming out of that division. I mean, eh, no, yeah. Nobody thinks they're going to, I mean, nobody thinks they're going to, you know, compete, you know. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think Kawhi, if he does lose this series tonight, which that game is, I believe it is tonight, right? Or is it tomorrow? Sunday, Sunday. 
Sunday. Okay, so do you believe if if they lose tomorrow night, which they they won by ten? Uh, what last night or it was like yeah about route seven one hundred four ninety seven. Okay, so do you think if the Clippers lose this game, do you think Kawhi's on the move? Heads are rolling. You I'm think so? You, they're getting rid of everybody. They're getting rid of like honestly, Steve Ballmer is going to probably have their exit meetings with Kawhi and say, okay, who's leaving? Who's are in order for you to stay? Who do I need to get rid of? Like Teron Lou just got this job. They they will fire him. Really? If Kawhi, if Kawhi says I want a new coach, they will fire him. Okay. If, wow. If he says he wants to get rid of Paul George, like anything that he wants, he will get if they get out the first round. And if they don't do it, I mean, me and you've had this talk about him wanting to stay in L.A. I think just to prove a point, he would leave and go somewhere else. Do you think he'd team up with the Lakers and um, this whole idea of, you know, the super team with, um, you know, the brow and, and Kawhi and LeBron? Do you think that could be like a real thing? It depends on how easy if, – if the Nets – beat every team in five and they just look so dominant. I think that's a possibility or he may threaten the Clippers by saying, Hey, I'll just go to the, the hometown rival. If you guys don't accommodate what I'm trying to do. So either way. So I think reports will come out during this off season. This is, and this is like predicated if they lose tomorrow, but right. if they lose tomorrow, I think he can either use, he's using that as a bargaining chip. Like, Hey, I'm either going to go to the Lakers or, or, you know, I'm going to, or if he just says, you know what? Brooklyn's unstoppable, man. Even if I stay with the Clippers and, and say they make it to the finals and they lose in five to the to the Nets and it's not even competitive, you know, he's gonna be like, Well, I can't do shit. Like I can't, I can't, I can stop Harden. Durant's going for 40. I can stop Durant. Harden's going for 40. Like I don't have help. Right. Like, are you really trusting PG to help you as a backup? So I mean, you know, hey. It's very true. Hey, don't forget about Kyrie out there. So let so let me ask you this. Who are your final two for the finals? Who's going? Uh, you got to call it right now. Uh, Nets, Nets, easy. I'm going with the well, Nets. Well, of course, the Nets are taking the East. Right. Unless there's some sort of interesting scenario here where Milwaukee just puts them to bed with great defense. But I just don't – like you just said, I mean, if one guy has a bad night, they got two other guys to step up, and then Blake Griffin just eating rebounds off of the glass and putting shit back. I mean, he looks like he is back. Like right. he is back 100% doing his thing. No uh, so like, of course, Brooklyn, but let, let me ask you this. Now. Who's coming out of the West? If you had to put a gun to my head. Yeah. I am going to say. <laughs> I'm going to say the Clippers. Really? Which is funny because the, the fuck Clippers, out of here. The Clippers have not made a conference final in their franchise history. We got to make the conference semis first, dog. That's true. Like, listen, I am, I am not a a fan of the whole super team idea. So if Dallas wins tomorrow, I'm really gunning for them. I'm an underdog type of guy. Like, I love to see the lower seed win and go to the next step. Oh yeah. Um, in my opinion, I believe that Phoenix, watching what they're doing right now, their ball movement, their defense, everything that they put out on the court is so fun to watch. I would just love to more so continue watching it and watch them go to the finals. But more so than anything, I just don't think people can keep up with them. 
they are so well ran right now on just a coaching style and everyone seems to be bought into the culture. I mean, it looked like some shit out of 2K on Thursday night with them playing. Like it was impressive. Yeah, that ball movement, man, was uh incredible. The only the only reason why I didn't pick Phoenix, man, is Chris Paul's health. I mean, if you want to think about it, man, back in 2018, they had a chance to beat the Kevin Durant. Golden State Warriors. Houston was up 3-2. Like, they beat Golden State in Golden State, and they had game six um, back in Houston. And Harden, not Harden, uh, Chris Paul pulled his hamstring. Do you think about it, man? Game one and two of the Lakers, man, he hurt, he hurt his shoulder. So, I mean, I don't think his health, man, just – if he's healthy, then I'm with you. But just, I haven't seen him stay healthy in the playoffs, man. Every – Every playoff run, even when he was with the Clippers, man, Chris Paul, he just can't stay healthy in the playoffs. Um, I think, I mean, he's so far, he's stayed healthy, and it doesn't seem like they're giving him too many minutes to a point where you're taking him too far. I, and I mean, when Booker's going six for six in the first half behind the arc, I mean, I don't know how anybody keeps up with this kid. He's so impressive. It's ridiculous. I don't know if you heard this, uh, this soundbite from him. I thought this was great, and I know we were talking about these young guys working with Kobe, RIP. By the way, we all should have known 2020 was going to suck when Kobe died, by the way. Um, What I will say is that the quote is so cool, and I'll post it after this episode or when we post it, but he said that he felt as if Kobe was in the building with him on Thursday night. Wow. He said, I looked up in the rafters, and I saw the 8 and the 24. And I just said, he's got me tonight. That's incredible. He said, I just felt he was there. That's so, absolutely. type of stuff that gives you, like, goosebumps. Yeah, man. These younger generations, man, it's crazy because LeBron hasn't really retired yet. So, these players don't really want to give, you know, well, they still give their appreciation. But Kobe was their Jordan, you know? Yeah. Who they looked up to, man, and 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 – as soon as Kobe retired, man, they they went to him and tried to soak up as much knowledge as they could. Man, it's paying dividends. I mean, his his shot, his shot selections, his turnaround jumper, that shit mirrors Kobe. It, it does Kobe to a T. And it's funny because what Kobe shot mirrored Jordan, so it's like generations, man, passing through. So it's pretty cool to watch. Well, what's the line Jordan always had? Is like, do you think Kobe could beat you one on one? He's like, yeah, probably, but he steals all my moves. <laughs> But that's the general progression of the game, though. He's like, that's the general progression of the game. Like you're saying, I mean, the idols of these generations now coming into the league, that, you know, like you said, that was Kobe. And And you you know the saying, imitation is the best form of flattery, you know? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. R.I.P. Kobe. Well, I I think we we got our fair amount of basketball talk in. Uh, Really want to go in, and I know we don't go into much of baseball talk, but I really need to just get something off of my chest. So can I rant here for like a good, give me like three or four minutes? Hey, boss, all you, go for it. All right. Growing up a White Sox fan and being a large baseball fan my entire life, I love the game. I love everything it stands for. I love what it's about. I love the traditions of the game. It is America's pastime. But if I have to see this old fuck Tony LaRussa, damper this young up-and-coming team one more time, I just might lose my shit. For him to throw 
his own player under the bus, being your main Mercedes, for hitting a lollipop 425 feet dead center right down the dick. And he's going to throw his own guy under the bus. I don't give a fuck if you're winning by 10. It doesn't matter. Play the fucking game. Your job as a hitter standing next or across from the fucking pitcher is to hit the goddamn ball. I don't care what the score is. And for him to come out and blatantly say, oh, well, he's going to understand the repercussions for that. Who the fuck are you, dude? I understand you've been in the game for a lifetime, but you're 78 years old. These are young men up and coming on a team that is looking to be the next up and coming franchise in the MLB. And as a White Sox fan, we've been waiting for this for a fucking decade. This rebuild that's been happening and happening and happening and again and again and again. And you come in and you do some shit like this and then your boy gets thrown at, right? The next game he got thrown at by the Twins and then came out. And the interview after the game and said, yeah, I guess that's what happens. Uh, What? And then this whole thought process of, oh, well, it's the tradition of the game. And you don't do things like that. Everything evolves. It all evolves. It changes. Baseball needs guys like your main Mercedes, Fernando Tatis Jr., Timmy Anderson, Javi Baez, these larger-than-life characters who are crushing it. But when these old fucks won't pipe down, I don't know if the game's ever going to change. I really don't. So there's my rant. I lost my shit the past couple weeks with this whole thought process. As you've seen it, it's been everywhere in the news, but those are my two cents. I don't know if you caught any of it, but what would your take be on that? I know you're not the biggest baseball guy, but then again, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I just think, you know, living in the South, man, baseball just has never been a big, big thing. Okay. So let me just get, ask a couple questions and maybe you can just, because obviously our audience is based off where we live at. So I got friends and family who's not really into baseball. So help me out. The questions I'm giving you may seem like novice or, you know, point no. blank, easy, but see where I'm going with this. What, why are there unwritten rules? Like, why if, you know, why why in that situation could he not swing at that pitch? Okay, so technicalities as a hitter, if you're trying to work a count, in quote, um, when it's a 3-0 count, chances are if a pitcher is struggling, He'll throw ball four, you get on base, and then the whole now, thought process me, is to let me stop you right there. From what I'm understanding, they didn't they had a problem with it being a position player on the mound? Not an actual no, no, no. It it didn't matter because the Sox right. were crushing them. It was like fifteen to four. Right, right, right. Okay. And the whole thought process of that unwritten rule to break that down is if you're crushing a team, the whole thought process is to in quote lay down. And get through the game faster than uh, anything to kind of like like slaughter rule-ish. But once again, it's these unwritten rules of baseball. And baseball is so old in our country that these rules have gone from generations to generations. But it's starting to die slowly. And you even see guys like Trevor Bauer, pitcher for the Dodgers, come out and say, Listen, if you're kicking my ass and I go up 3-0 on you, 
I have to throw a strike or I'm walking you. So if you have an opportunity to hit the baseball, I'm not going to have a problem with it. Because this happened last year, too, with Fernando Tatis Jr. And he got a bunch of shit for it because he was swinging on a 3-0 count and the Padres were crushing someone. I forget who it was. And the same situation happened. But that was an even younger manager. It wasn't like La Russa. But still, this issue of baseball being this tradition, they need to die. If the sport wants to continue on, these thought processes of tradition and unwritten rules really need to be eliminated because it's hurting the sport more so than anything. Okay. Now, now I was trying to get, like I said, I'm... There's no clear answer. See, that's the problem. And that's why it gets me so heated because there isn't a right or wrong answer with this. It's all opinion. Okay. So like so okay, so when I was trying to get into baseball and I asked a guy, like, what what's the issue with this? He basically told me that, oh, this is the equivalent of basketball. You're up 20 and with a minute, with a minute left to go, nobody's playing defense, and you go in for a windmill dunk. That's disrespectful. I said, okay, I understand that, but there's no clock in baseball. So in theory, couldn't the – I forgot who the White Sox were playing. Could they have came back and won? Like, you know, like what's the most innings ever – what's the most runs ever scored in an inning? So it's like, does that matter or do they not even think about that? There's no time limit in baseball. Like each team has an opportunity to hit and field. That's why you have the top of the inning. That's why you have the bottom of the inning. Okay? Right. So – if you're the home team, you have an advantage because you get last reps, right? Right. You're the away team. That's a disadvantage. So if you're going into the top of the ninth inning, that's why closers are a thing. And your closer closes the game, shuts the door. The game's over because you don't need to go hit after that because you won the fucking game. But baseball, as you said, it's untimed. The twins potentially had an opportunity there to win the game. Is it likely? Very unlikely. I mean, the odds of that are slim to none. But it's still this thought process more so than anything. I don't care about if it's disrespectful or anything. You play to win the fucking game. And to sit here and see this thought process still exist in 2021, it's hurting the sport. And I understand some people may look at it as disrespectful, might look at it as this. To me, it's fun. In football, look at, I mean, yeah, people run up the score on people all the time. Look at college football. Do you think Nick Saban would be saying some shit like that? Nick Saban will run the score up on fucking Cornell to 52 to 2 or 52 to 3 and doesn't give a fuck and keeps going. Right. So this whole thought process needs to just be entirely changed. And I mean, the game itself is suffering um, ratings wise. So when these guys are starting to come out and be these larger than life figures, it's a really shitty thing to see where you're seeing guys like Tony La Russa, these old fucks just constantly coming in and saying, oh, well, you just don't do that. Says who? So, like I said, baseball more so than anything, there's not a right or wrong answer, and it's difficult to compare it to other sports since it's so old, and the thought processes behind it are so old. It needs to evolve. And especially this year, I I mean, the batting average across the league is the lowest it's been in over, like, 60 years. Wow. The The batting average this year across the MLB is 236. The last time it was that low 
1968. Okay, so once again, like I said, I'm a, I'm a novice to the game, learning it. Why would that? Why why the app? Because to me, it seems like it's just nothing but like launch angles. Everyone's swinging for the fences. <laughs> you know, where's the fucking singles and doubles and tri- I don't see that anymore. Like I'm I'm getting into it, so obviously I kind of gravitated towards the Yankees. And I'm watching. yeah, well, that's what the Yankees do, though. They got they got Judge and they got Stanton, and they are just looking to you know take you 450 feet down the deck. But I don't see um, that really the launch angle thing was present in, in the game like four or five years ago. It's kind of starting to fade out. I mean, granted, you do have home run hitters and guys who just go up there and swing for the fences every time. But then there's a balance of guys who do hit for consistency and for power. I mean, Timmy Anderson is hitting like 300 right now, and he doesn't have a ton of home runs, but he's hitting for average. And guys like that still exist. But the flair of it is starting to lose and the pitching. I don't know if it's so much that the pitching is that much better than it's ever been. I feel as if something's going on because looking at this 2021 overall batting average is 236 in the league. The last time it was this low was 1968 and it was 237. Now the, the cheating thing has always existed in baseball. I believe more so than any sport because there's so many ways to cheat. There cheating. is. Right. There is between doctor and baseballs, cork bats, all that good stuff. I mean, there have been eight no hitters so far this season. Some years there have been like four and you were lucky to see it. But two months, eight no hitters. I don't know. Someone's doing something to these baseballs. When when we talked about it, man, the season ends in September, right? Yes. And it's September, early October. They say the MLB record. Is eight, so they're already at eight, and they got what three more months left to play. Four like months in June, so what, something's June, going on. <laughs> it, it just if it smells funny, chances are it's you know it's like walks like a duck, talks like a duck. Right. Um, this is interesting. I think some heads are going to roll. I think there's going to be a major investigation into what's going on, and I think you're going to start to see uh, some guys get the hammer thrown down, some suspensions going on. Something's happening. Something's happening here where someone there's a substance on a baseball. I've I've read some reports that like some baseballs after games have had like weird sticky substances on them that are like peeling off. Really? And it, yeah. I'll 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 post the article. It's so interesting. It's like what could it be? And then my next question is what the fuck are these umpires doing? You don't you switch out balls all the time. You're not looking at them. Well, how do you feel? Because even even um, well, I guess that's every sport. But I guess like basketball, if you're watching basketball, refs kind of call different, you know, physicality and fouls and things like that. How do you feel about robot umpires, like different strike zones and stuff like that? How do you feel about that? So this is a weird balance. And once again, the tradition of the game. I, I, I am for some things. I'm not for all things. I do believe umpires serve their purpose. Uh, I do believe you need a set of eyes on it. But then there's some guys like, what, like Angel Hernandez. Terrible. Fucking terrible. Like calling shit that's borderline in the dirt strikes and vice versa. Like ruining guys games that potentially could either throw no hitters or get out of an inning and get out of a jam. And 
he's just terrible. But the problem is, is the MLB union for umpires protects them no matter what. They're basically fucking bulletproof. So to be honest, at this point, I think I'd welcome it because it would be more consistent with what the strike zone is. It really would be. But then again, there's also that process of the strike the strike zone changes depending on how tall you are. Because technically, it's to your knees, to your waistline. That's the technical mm-hmm. strike zone, right? And the inside of the plate, outside of the plate. That's the process behind it. So I do believe they serve their purpose, but eventually it will go to robot umpires. And then I think you'll have still a guy behind the plate monitoring it, but giving some sort of opinion on the halfway calls, right? Right, right, right. That's what I I think you might see more of a hybrid setup than anything moving forward into the future. Okay. Let me, this is the last question too that I want to know, because I've always thought about this, but I never really got a chance to talk to like a baseball, baseball guy. So LeBron James is the face of the league, right? Yeah. Just got bounced out by Devin Booker. Yeah. This guy, Devin Booker, is on every Instagram page, every Facebook page, every any NBA TV, anything that's NBA now, they're pushing his name. Right. Why don't MLB do that with their players? They to me they market the team. They don't market the players. Like it took me, it honestly took me maybe two years ago to realize that Mike Trout is by far the best player <laughs> in the league. He's been playing what since 2011? <laughs> Mike Trout's been a freak since he's gotten into the league. I mean I didn't know he was the best player because I don't I never like they don't market him, you know? I mean, I guess they're doing that with Tatis. But you would think Satish is the best player. The way they market them, they like why don't they market their individual players? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think it's more so than anything that baseball is a team sport. And like I said, the traditions of baseball are, you know, America's pastime. It's a team game. You play together, you win together, you do all that. And there's so many moving parts and pieces of what the guys do and how they perform that is critical to you winning. In basketball, A guy's success, one guy's success, like LeBron could go off for 50 in a game and you'll win the game, maybe not by much, but you'll win the game. And then he's looked at like a messiah. But on the flip side of that, there's many moving parts and pieces to baseball. You could have a game where you go four for four and hit six RBIs as an individual, but if the rest of the team isn't winning or the rest of the team isn't hitting and supporting you, then you don't exist, basically. And if your pitching sucks on the opposite side of the t- uh, on the opposite side of the coin, and that other team is scoring seven runs that game, then what what good are you basically? Right, I didn't think about that. Okay, that's the thought process as to why I think you're not seeing like a guy like okay, we're talking basketball, LeBron, MJ, Kobe, like the faces of teams. You don't see that a lot in baseball because there's so much of a team element with the game. So many things have to happen correctly for you to win. That's why in baseball, when you see teams go on 10, 12, 16 game stretches of winning, it's very unheard of because it's so difficult to do. Right? Right, So I think that's why, but you're starting to see it more. You're starting to see that though. And I think it's changing, and it's changing for the best. You see guys like Timmy Anderson. No one know who Timmy Anderson was, you know, 10 years ago. But then again, Timmy's now this uh, 
kind of larger than life figure for the White Sox. He started the whole bat flip thing. He is very, very impressive as an athlete. You know, you don't see that a lot. He has a lot of other issues. Being a White Sox fan, I'm critical. He he does some shit sometimes where you're like, oh my God, how the hell did he do that? And then like routine ground balls will go right through his legs. And you're like, what the hell are you doing? But what's funny is me learning about Tatis and me learning about Timmy Anderson I learned about them based off controversies, really? things like that. I said, oh, well, let me go on their Instagram right. you know, and figure out who they were. But like those things that traditional baseball, you know, older guys frown upon. That's how I found out. Oh, OK. Sports centers complaining about, you know, Tatis. I heard he did the same thing Mercedes did last year or something like he like raped a ball. Like, you know, he did the same thing. And that, uh, that's what made me get into him. I started looking up and, you know. Things like that, but well, Timmy's controversy last year were all the bad flips and shit. And prior to that, that was the thing. And but we sucked. You see, when you suck and you're bad flipping, that's a problem. Right, right. That's more like, yeah, you're losing and you hit a home run and you and you're bad flipping. Yeah, no, 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 don't do that. That's 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 an also a thing you don't do. Now, if you're winning and you crush a bomb or a game winning walk off dinger, yeah, throw that fucking bat up in the air and puff your chest and do whatever the hell you got to do. I just. I think where you're headed with it is is wise to say because I do think baseball needs that. Like Fernando Tatis Jr. just eats at my crow so much. And if you're a White Sox fan, you know why. Because Fernando Tatis Jr. was in the White Sox organization and we traded him for fucking James Shields. <laughs> I see this kid like crushing it. And I'm like, how in the fuck did we – How? For James Shields, bro. I mean, he's not even in the league anymore. He had like one good year with us when he was with us, but it's just painful to think like Timmy Anderson and Fernando Tatis Jr. could have shared the same infield. Makes me want to cry. That's absolutely crazy. They could have. It could have happened. It's terrible. And White Sox fan, I don't think I'll ever get over it. It's that bad. To see this person now just crushing it. Just he is the face of the sport. He is everything you would have expected him to be, basically. I mean, his fa- he comes from a baseball family. His father was a, a, a great middle infielder. But what is what I do here, and this is for something uh food for thought. His little brother is in the White Sox organization right now. And I will say this: if the White Sox let history repeat itself and trade his little brother. I just might lose my shit because here's your potential opportunity to get a second shot at a Tatis brother. Right. So the hope is uh, his, his little brother is uh, just as good, if not better than he is. The father has actually come out and said the little brother is better than Fernando jr. Wow. Yeah. So Time will tell. I could talk baseball till the cows come home. We got anything else? I know, God, we, we've been gone now for a while, so it's like we, we needed to kind of make up for some of that uh, lost time. Uh, anything that you kind of want to get going on? Anything that uh, next episode you want to touch on? Uh, no, boss. Just really uh, kind of keep looking at the NBA playoffs, see if anything major happens. Um, Damian Lillard may be on the move uh, after losing in the first round, so definitely keep an eye on that. Um, Interesting. Hopefully when the next episode comes back, man, we kind of know if Julio or Aaron, we kind of get more of a better landscape of how the NFL is working. But 
All right, now, man. No, I'm good. What about you? I said we do our uh, our uh, schedule picks for the NFL season. Win-loss, loss, win-loss, loss, loss. I love it. Yes, sir. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on that next episode. Um, this was great to be back. So happy for it. Excited for uh, the next steps here. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And please like, follow, share, and comment. And we love your feedback, so please give it to us. Absolutely, man. We love the support, man. Keep listening to us. We're going to keep putting out content to the cows come home, man. So we appreciate it. Nothing but love on this end. Same. Everybody, enjoy your week. And thank you for listening to the Taxi Squad podcast.